What is up, everybody? Raymond Summerlin here. This is the Sharp Angles podcast, and I am joined tonight by the NFL draft guru, the betting guru, the everything guru of sharpfootballanalysis.com, Mr. Ryan McChrystal. Ryan, how you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for uh, having me on. Excited to start diving into the prop bets this year. Yeah, no, it's something I was excited about. You know, every year I'm, I'm new here at the website. Um, everybody, every year they said, oh, Ryan does this over-under series. And I went back and read your over-unders from last year. I was like, oh, yeah, I'm I'm well into this. We need to definitely <laughs> talk about the over-unders. And I think most people know that I am a fantasy person kind of first and foremost. But this is one of those nice places where fantasy and betting kind of overlap, right? This player prop area. And so it's it's interesting to dive into these. It's different than trying to think about it from a fantasy perspective because you're you're interested, you know, a little bit more in like the projection rather than the the upside or downside arguments of, of somebody. So it's an interesting way to think about players. And so yeah, I, I'm I'm into this a lot. I'm very excited to start talking about it. You can actually find the write-ups for the quarterbacks we're gonna talk about tonight over at Sharp Football Analysis next week. Running backs will be coming out the week after that, wide receivers, and the week after that, tight ends. And so we're going to have a ton of prop bets all for free over at the website. So make sure you check that out. And then every player we're going to talk about tonight, every team we're going to talk about tonight, you can find an in-depth look at those teams, their rookie classes that were written up by Ryan right here, excellent write-ups of all the rookie classes, thoughts on the win total over-under, and all of that in Warren Sharp's 2023 football preview. It's available at sharp.football. If you want $8 off, you can put in the code AUGUST. The code AUGUST, as in the month we are currently in, that'll give you $8 off that. And while you're there at Sharp Football Analysis, you should probably check out the futures package. If you're interested in props and things like this, I'd recommend you look at that futures package. Warren has hit on 68.4% of all of his non-long shot props over the last five years. He's amassed 27.2 units of profit over that time period. You can get that futures package for $50 off if you use the promo code FUTURES50. So that's available to you as well. There's so much information. Make sure you go over there and check it out. But we're going to talk specifically about some of the overs and unders that Ryan wrote about over on the website. I want to get started, though, talking about just unders in general. And there was an interesting stat that he came across on Twitter from Connor Allen of BetSperts, a great follow on Twitter. I recommend that you do. And he pointed out that the under on player props has hit 61% of the time over the last two seasons. It was 63% in 2021, and it was 60% in 2022. And I think that's really interesting for two reasons. One, I think it's interesting to talk about the why of that and use it to think about how we're looking at these overs and unders. And two, I think it's interesting because it seems to me that the public loves betting overs and that's just, you know, not a great idea. So let's, let's get into the why first, Ryan, why, why do you think the unders are hitting at, at such a high rate uh, these last two years? Yeah. I mean, I think it really just boils down to the fact that the lines for almost everybody, unless there's a really obvious reason to think that someone's not going to play a full season, like a potential you're waiting on a suspension or something like that. The lines are placed based on an assumption of good health and you know i don't know maybe 40 percent of the league or something like that isn't going to be fully healthy for the full uh 17 game season and so that 
I mean, that's just your good strategy to sort of look at the guys that have an injury history or look at the guys that have some sort of um, position battle or like a looming position battle. You know, a lot of the lines are typically placed for guys who are locked in, more or less locked into starting jobs, but it's pretty easy to identify the guys that are at risk of getting benched for a rookie in the future. Like my absolute favorite prop that I talked about on podcasts leading up the season many times last year was the under on Baker Mayfield's passing yards because it was set to a full season's worth of games. <laughs> it was pretty easy to look at Carolina and say, they're not going to use the same quarterback for 17 games. So if you can just identify those particular players, there's ones that jump out. And, you know, guys shock us all the time. Geno Smith certainly would have fallen into that category as a guy who might not play a full season last year. And obviously he exceeded expectations. So that could happen to us. But more often than not, we can pick out a handful of guys who are at risk of not playing a full season and we'll hit over 50% of those pretty, pretty regularly. Yeah. And I think, you know, you mentioned the injury side of it as being one of the potential outs on the under and the other potential out is the other thing you mentioned there is we think we're better at predicting, especially this is true when we get to running backs and wide receivers and tight ends. We think we're better at projecting what the depth chart will be in week 12 than we are like Alexander Madison is a great example this year because if you look at alexander and i hope i'm not stepping on next week's article but if you look at if you look at alexander madison you would say all right he's locked into the the running back one spot because everybody else on that depth chart is you know unproven at best i really like dwayne mcbride i think you kind of like dwayne mcbride as well mm -hmm. but like he's he's unproven you know he's a rookie he doesn't have a good pass catching pedigree at all so madison is pretty much locked in as the running back one right now there are a lot of running. There are a lot of veteran running backs out there. Um, he could be bad. He's been bad the last two years. And Dwayne McBride could take a step forward. Ty Chandler, although it seems like camp's not going well for him, he could take a step forward. And so this this thing that we know, right, that that Alexander Madison's the running back one is not necessarily you know true. And so there's so many outs here for the under. And if I'm looking at that kind of how like how well the unders have done, when I look at the lines this year it really seems to me like the lines makers are begging us to take the overs. Some of the totals are, are wild that you're looking at. Some of the ones we're going to talk about are like, I look at them, I go, there's no way that this is the line. Uh, Trevor Lawrence's line stands out to me as one that just doesn't make any sense. And it seems to me that they're trying to entice us here to take the over. And I've always kind of been of the opinion, if that's what the lines makers are trying to make you bet, then we probably should, we probably should be going the other direction. Right. Yeah, of course. I mean, if you get that sense, you know, I feel like, I feel like I get that sense more often in college football. It's pretty common there where you feel like, Hmm, someone knows something kind of lines. Yeah. Well, yeah. Whenever you get that sense that, that you should be wary of going with what seems like obvious, but yeah, I mean, some of, I do feel like some of the lines are surprisingly low, but I, I still like we're going to talk about some of them here with the quarterbacks. There's still quite a few unders that I mean, my favorite bets are still the unders because there are still yep. quite a few of these that we've identified that we'll talk about in a minute that just sort of stand out as guys that are big risks for one reason or another. And ultimately, even though the lines overall, they, they do kind of seem like they're low, but I'm hesitant to trust that sense because it, it is really you know, if you go and look at these numbers compared to players past performances and whatnot they, they do sort of fall in line and so even there like to predict that someone if someone's coming off a really good like lawrence coming off a really good year 
it's not, it's certainly within the realm of possibility that he has a really good year and just drops off a little bit because of, you know, fluctuation in circumstances throughout the season. So it's, I'm always going to be more hesitant to jump on those lines. Whereas the unders, once I identify a player, like he's at risk to go way under this, I'm, I'm definitely going to bet that. Cause if I can get a group of those, like I said, if you can get a group of a few of those that you like, you're probably going to profit from that group as a whole, even if, you know, there's a Geno Smith in the mix that exceeds it as a whole, you're probably profiting off that group of unders. Let's actually get to one of those unders then that kind of fits this discussion we're having perfectly. And that is Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson's total passing yardage total is currently set at 3,500 and a half. That's available at both DraftKings and Underdog. By the way, we're going to be talking about some underdog lines. You can get the Sharp Fantasy Football Draft Kit for just $1 if you sign up and deposit at Underdog. Information on how to do that, it's at sharpfootballanalysis.com. Uh, underdog also has these season-long bet lines. Uh, I should or They're called Pick'ems over at Underdog. So, you know, there's a lot of ways to get involved at Underdog. So if you want the Sharp Fantasy Football Draft Kit, you can go sign up, deposit at Underdog, get it for just a buck. It's, it's really the, the right way to go. But talking about Jackson, I think Jackson fits what we've like all of these cautionary undertales, it seems like Jackson really fits that mold to a T this year. Yeah, absolutely. This is one of my favorite unders. And then it's really, the obvious thing right at the top is he's the injury two years in a row that he's missed. I believe it is five games in each season, I believe it was. And so if that happens again, the under's a winner. Like it's as simple as that. He needs to, he maybe, maybe if things go really well for that passing office, he doesn't need to play 17 games, but he's got, he can't miss more than two games, most likely at this number. Even if he's starting to exceed some of his passing trends in the past, he's going to need to be healthy for much more than he was the past two seasons. And to hit the over, he's got to exceed his career high by about 400 yards. And I just, even if injuries are a factor in why he hasn't achieved that, we can look at the past and say, if he played 17 games, he would have you know, gone over 3000 yards. It's true. But even when injuries are a factor, if you're betting on somebody to set a career high by a pretty good margin in this case, basically a, a huge margin, a, a game, yeah. a game and a half based on his passing rates, that that's not a good bet to make more often than not. And I think the other like sort of tied into that, the reason why I like this is, it's often a good idea to bet against um, to bet against offseason storylines. There are certain like truths that happen in the offseason that we can get behind a big significant change. You know, somebody adds like the Jets add Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, of course they're going to be better this year, right? Like some, something obvious like that. But in this case, the expectation for their passing offense to develop, it's about the fact that they added Todd Munkin, offensive coordinator from Georgia. That might help. He likes to throw the ball downfield, but it's not like Georgia was lighting the world on fire with their passing game. That was still a very run-heavy team uh, for good reason. But, you know, ultimately that was a very run-heavy team. And then the additions of OBJ and Zay Flowers, which, yeah, I think those guys are upgrades. But OBJ, has we haven't seen him in a while. What What's left of him? Zay Flowers, you know, rookies, no, as talent, no matter how talented they are, they struggle at a pretty high rate. So if you've got a washed-up OBJ – you've got a rookie who's sort of up and down throughout the season, maybe this passing offense doesn't look that improved. And so maybe he even does, maybe he stays healthy and still hits the under. So I feel like you sort of got two avenues there about how the season could definitely play out. And, you know, whether it's an injury that knocks him down, whether receiving core underperforms, you, you got two very obvious paths right there where you win with an under. 
And that's how I like to think about this kind of thing is I think about outs and how many outs we have. And you mentioned both of them, you know, obviously the health issue and we don't need to litigate that that's there, but you're right. We're assuming this passing game is going to be better, but that's an assumption. Odell's a year older. He's off. He wasn't Odell Beckham. Wasn't that great in Cleveland or with the Rams until that playoff run anyway. And then he suffered another knee injury and he missed a season. And so, uh, you know, you talk, mentioned Zay. It's a smaller, he has questions. I like Zay Flowers, but he's smaller, he has questions. Rashad Bateman just came off the pup list on on Wednesday. His foot is still a problem from last year. He's played 18 games in two seasons. This could just, again, be Lamar and Andrews. And if it's just Lamar and Andrews, again, we're into the same exact problems that he's had over the last couple seasons. And so there are it's not just an injury there's so many outs here to this under and and i think you brought up the the perfect point he has to smash his career high his career high is 3127 passing yards he has to smash that to hit this over so i am on board 100% no hesitations i think this is of all the bets we're going to talk about tonight i think this is my second favorite i'm really gung ho about somebody later but I think this is my second favorite. I, I'm with you 100%. Another one you had in the article, and again, these are all at sharpfootballanalysis.com, was Matthew Stafford under 3,700 and a half passing yards at DraftKings. That number is actually 3,850 and a half at underdog. So you get a little more value on the under over, over at underdog. What, why are you, you know, obviously Stafford's coming off a bad year. You know, he's had some injuries, but what particularly interests you in this bet this season? Yeah, I mean, there's sort of two factors here, and they're definitely tied together. The first, again, obviously injury risk. He was injured last year. Um, a, a fairly severe injury, the type of thing that if he if he re-injures that, um, if it, I think, well, spinal contusion, I believe, was the phrasing yeah. parents have used for it. The type of injury that if he were to re-aggravate it, it's not just like he's not sitting out a game. He's sitting out a chunk of the season again. And remember when it happened, there was discussion about whether it could even be career-ending injury. So it's a significant injury that he is coming back from, even though they say he's at full health. You know, an, an older quarterback and a spine injury, that's it's yeah. risky. Like, it is common sense, right? We, we can use our own common sense and our knowledge of our own bodies to know that spine, back injuries, when you get older, nobody used to have a back injury, right? Like, you just kind of have... I am. I'm roughly the same age as Matthew Stafford. <laughs> I am a slightly less good athlete, we'll say, but I am I am roughly the same age. And I was walking down the stairs yesterday, and my ankle just kind of went popped and let go, and I almost <laughs> fell down the stairs. So, yeah, when you get to when you get to around uh, those late thirties, you know, random things happen. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, all all injuries are more risky when you're at that age. Yeah. But then the 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 thing that sort of ties right into that is the supporting cast has gotten weaker. This is not even close to the supporting cast that he had when they won the Super Bowl. And most importantly, the offensive line is not good. It's which is really concerning when you have an immobile quarterback with injury concerns. So the he's going to get hit more often than he should playing behind that offensive line. He was sacked or hit on 18.7% of his dropbacks last year. That was the fifth highest rate. You just can't have an older Matt Stafford getting hit at that rate. And one of the big concerns is at left tackle Joe Notebloom last year, a lot of 10% pressure rate. They ranked 34th out of 35 qualified left tackles. And they really they really didn't address the offensive line. I think it was the, the most surprising non-move of the offseason was the Rams not investing in the offensive line. Obviously, they had limited resources to do it, but they chose to 
completely ignore it basically. And so that I, the fact that you've got an injured quarterback with what looks to be a, a really questionable offensive line, that, that's a big red flag, I think. Yeah. And you mentioned this roster is, it's one of the worst in the league and that's with Cooper cup, Aaron Donald and Matthew Stafford. He, Matthew Stafford's not on the level with those two players, but you could, you know, both of those players, Aaron Donald, if not the best at his position, is the second best player at his position. Cooper Cup is definitely, if he's healthy, in the top five of his position. And even with those guys, this roster is one of the worst in the league. That actually brings me to a little bit of concern I have with this under. And that is, you know, could he just throw it 40 times a game? And that's going to get him there, even if he ends up, let's say, missing the final four games or five games. Is there? Are they going to be so bad, and are they going to have to throw so much? You know, you don't have the same concerns here with Stafford that you have with Jackson. He doesn't have to hit a career high to hit this, right? He had forty-eight hundred, almost forty-nine hundred yeah. yards in, in twenty twenty-one, right? And so, I do think this probably requires an injury for him to hit, because I just don't think, you know, they're going to just have to throw so much, but. But like, like you said, he's an older quarterback that had it. You mentioned it. There was talk he was going to retire in the offseason. Like that's the that's the level we're at here with Stafford. And so it's a, it's an interesting thing to think about. And you know, if this team is this bad, is he going to want to sit behind that offensive line getting hit to go one in fifteen so they can draft Caleb Williams? Like, like we're talking <laughs> about we're talking about like that bad of a roster, even with Aaron Donald and Cooper Cup. They do have their first round pick next year, right? They finally have their first round pick. I now. believe next year is when they they do have it. You're gonna but, get to see a Rams first round pick. What a time yeah. to be alive! <laughs> yeah, but the the other thing is, as you're talking about how bad this roster is, you know, we we were sort of discussing this as like it's a severe injury that could knock him out. That's that's entirely possible, but because this team is so bad, it could also be just sort of normal nagging injuries. And then in week 14 or 15, he's like, ah, do I really need to go out there again? Maybe we give Stetson Bennett a couple of games to see what yeah. see what's going on there. <laughs> that's also that's also a possible out that could work in our favor for the under here. Yeah, if you're if you're uh, 12 and two, uh, you you're like, I might play through the sprained ankle. If you're yeah. if you're one and 13, you're like, ah, I don't know, maybe I'll exactly. maybe I'll sit this one out. Absolutely, I agree. Our final under that you wrote up in the article was Ryan Tannehill, another kind of older quarterback. Although I think I think that I think Ryan Tannehill is older than he is. I don't actually <laughs> know how old he is. I've known Ryan Tannehill so long. I live in Texas. He obviously went to AM. I, I've known him so long. I feel like I think he's older than he is, but that's neither here nor there. His under over at DraftKings. <laughs> yeah, I've known him since he was a wide receiver. Uh, that's that's one of my favorite, that's one of my favorite uh announcer trope uh, yeah. about we we hear it less now but at the beginning of your career it was funny and he was a college wide receiver thanks champ i've never heard that one before <laughs> but uh but ryan Tannehill, yeah ryan Tannehill is under over at DraftKings. kings total over at DraftKings is 3075 and a half passing yards at underdog it's 3250 and a half so again a little bit better value at underdog again on Tannehill. i i think i you know going back to the jackson conversation the Tannehill conversation feels similar but also to like the nth degree of what we were talking about with jackson because you have even one more out with him yeah i think this is my favorite prop that i've come across so far and it really boils down to the fact that this line does seem to be assuming he plays a full season which won't happen i mean this is the baker mayfield thing that i mentioned before it's a really similar situation except maybe even more obvious than baker mayfield because yeah. it's not like baker mayfield had a, any young quarterbacks knocking on the door 
Tannehill's got two young quarterbacks knocking on the door that they need to play. So, like, at some point this season, Will Levis is going to play. And if for some reason Levis gets hurt during practice or whatnot and he's not available or he plays a game or two and is just awful, then Malik Willis is going to play. <laughs> they're just not going to – they're not going to ride out the season with Ryan Tannehill. Um, the, the only way that happens is, is if this team dramatically exceeds expectations and they are like solidly headed towards the playoffs, which I I can't imagine that's going to happen. But that that, that re, that's really the only scenario where he plays a full season because they have to see what Will Levis is. And even if Levis isn't there, they're going to want to see what, you know, maybe Malik Willis has improved in a year. Like they got two quarterbacks that they're going to want to see. And so if, if even if you look at sort of like a more optimistic timeline for the season, I would say he maybe he plays 13 games. Maybe it's like Mariota and Ritter last year where Mariota went 13 games and Ritter got the final four. Depending on where you get the line, I, I forget exactly what the line was when I looked this up, but right around where the line is, he's going to have to, in 13 games, if he plays that chunk, he's going to have to average more yards per game than he has at any point in his Titans career. And that's not that's not going to happen at this point behind with the supporting cast that he has. Although it's you know it's slightly improved in the last few weeks, but uh, it, he's not going to put up those kinds of numbers at this stage in his career. So I think that the only way we lose this, this is the Titans completely shock us and are one of the best teams in the AFC. I agree with that. the The thing that stops me, like when I was talking about, because I agree with you, this I like this prop this under a lot uh, because as you mentioned, there are just so many outs. Uh, Tannehill's bad, so they start Levis. Tannehill gets hurt. Tannehill is fine, but the Titans are bad, so they start Levis. Like there are, or just like if Tannehill averages like 15 fewer yards per game than he did last year and still plays 17 games, it still goes under. Like it is, there are so many outs for this one, and I agree 100% about it. I do think the Titans might surprise some people this year. Um, I think that their front seven on defense is very underrated, especially now that they have Harold Landry back. I think their defense is going to be better. S getting DeAndre Hopkins in there, moving Burks to the wide receiver too, maybe getting Chig involved a little bit more. Their receiving core, you know, it, it, it at least is it's at least respectable now, where it wasn't even anything resembling that before they sound, signed Hopkins. But this goes back to kind of the Rams conversation we had. Their offensive line is a disaster. It is an absolute mess. And that, again, like we talked about with Stafford, that kind of raises that injury risk that we have for Tannehill. And will they be able to lean as much? You mentioned this in the write-up. Will they be able to lean as much on Derrick Henry, who wasn't as productive after contact last year as he has been in his career and is getting older and maybe slowing down a little bit? Can they lean on him as much with this offensive line being as bad as I kind of anticipate it to be. And so, yeah, on this Tannehill thing, there's, there's so many outs, but I do, I do have this little slight worry <laughs> that maybe the Titans, especially in this division, you know, the Colts might not be trying to win. We'll see what the Texans are like. Maybe they hang around too long and Tannehill plays too many games. That's, that's my one concern. Yeah, that, that seems plausible. Like you said, especially in that division, there's going to be a lot of winnable games in that division. And maybe maybe they are better than we're expecting. But even in that scenario, like you said, the defense is really going to be the strength of their team. So I think it's still going to be a lot of low-scoring games they're relying on their run games. So I'm even if they do exceed expectations, I'm not too concerned that Tannehill starts putting up huge numbers because I just don't think that that is going to be the focal point of the offense, especially – with the offensive line struggling, we know how much in the past that they've really liked using play action. 
And if you're not trusting your offensive line to hold up for that, you know, fraction of a second longer that you need for play action to develop, that maybe throws off what they're comfortable with in the passing game. Like there's, there's certainly a way for them to be better than a lot of people are expecting, but also just not have much of a functioning passing game and really relying on winning low scoring games. Absolutely. That's, that's certainly there too. We've added a fourth out to our, yeah. to our Tannehill bet. All right. But I'm, t I'm done being negative. I'm, I'm, I'm done being negative. Let's, let's move positive. And you actually mentioned this guy just a second ago, and that was Desmond Ritter. And you like Desmond Ritter over his, his total right now is 2,600 and a half over at DraftKings. It's 2,650 and a half at underdog. So a little bit worse odds at, or a little bit worse uh, number there for us on underdog, but you like the over on 2,600. Why? Yeah, this is this doesn't happen very often. I can't remember finding a season-long prop that I liked for this reason before, but sort of the reverse of what I was talking about my strategy is with the unders, where I like finding guys who are going to get benched. In this case, it kind of feels like the line is set where they're expecting him to get benched. And yeah. to that, I would say, for who? <laughs> I mean, he's not getting benched. Taylor Heineke? He's going to do some, he's gonna do some trick throws. It'll be fine. That, that is absolutely what people are expecting because he he was a third round pick. Expectations are not super high. Heineke has sort of been this like darling when he has like some moments here and there where he looks decent, but he's terrible. Like <laughs> anyone who's been forced to watch Heineke for an extended period of time knows he's he's not the darling that people fell in love with for like a brief moment in that playoff game, whatever it was a couple of years ago where he looked somewhat competent and that alone was enough to like get people excited like he's not a good quarterback but and then on a, like a more serious note the reason why i really don't think he's going to get benched in favor of him is that heineke has no experience with his coaching staff mariota got started the year and had a very long leash because he knew that system he came over from tennessee with arthur smith now heineke joins them to provide some sort of insurance i think there at least he has started in the league like that's really the selling point with him like he he's sort of been around long enough that he can provide a little bit of veteran presence there and if something were happened to ritter at least you have a guy who's been there before but he's got no experience with his team so now ritter is the one with more experience in the offense he's the one that they obviously want to succeed so he's going to have a pretty long leash and this number is so low that even if he gets hurt and misses a game or two. As long as it's a relatively minor injury, he's fine. I, I think if he plays 15 games, he's fine to hit the over because he was on pace for over 3,000 yards last year in those four games. So I, I think I, I, the injury risk is always out there for everybody, even a young quarterback like this. That could certainly be why we lose this. But I don't think we're at risk of him being uh, – I don't think we're at risk of him getting benched after, like, you know, 11 games or something like that. The only way that I could see that happening would be, you know, the division's really open. They've, they've improved the defense. I don't, the defense still isn't going to be great, but they've improved the defense. And, you know, Arthur Smith is in year three. Does he feel some pressure to win if it's not working right away? But I mean, this offense is going to be built on the running game regardless. So, you know, the quarterback is almost immaterial to kind of what they're going to be trying to do. Like they were historically, run heavy last year. They were 13.7% uh, under their expected pass total last year, which is a wild number that we hadn't seen from any team in a long time, except by the way, the 22 bears, both the bears and the Falcons were trying to set a record last year. And so, you know, they've already been super run heavy. So you're not really worried about volume because they were run heavy when he was throwing last year and he was well mm -hmm. over this pace. He was able to be over this pace 
throwing for a near league worst 6.2 yards per attempt. You know, Kyle Pitts wasn't there. Is Ritter takes a step forward. You could see his efficiency improving, even if he's getting closer to more of like a league average, I don't know, seven yards per attempt, then that's, you know, that takes away how many attempts he needs to, you know, hit this number and stay on that pace there. Again, I, I like to think about these and outs. There's so many outs here for him. The one concern you mentioned it was, well, the two concerns, injury, injury is always concerned with these, with these totals, but would they bench Taylor Heineke? You seem said set they're not, they wouldn't do that. I, there's a, there's an inkling of worry about me, me for me on that, but I don't think it's a big enough worry for me not to bet this. I love this over. And I think that you've nailed it as this being kind of the opposite of the situations that we were talking about, you know, on the other side. Yeah. You mentioned the, their, how their run volume was high last year as well. I think that the other factor we should mention as to why this number is probably low is the addition of B. John Robinson, which is making people think that, oh, they're all in on the run game. They took a running back in the first round. The reality is they ran a lot last year and it was a good run game. So they're not adding this because they need to improve the run game. Which makes me think that if anything, Bijan Robinson might decrease their run volume because what they missed from the running backs last year at times was passing game, and they weren't really trusting Cordero Patterson to to be the workhorse running back anymore. He was coming in and providing some of that, but if they can have a workhorse running back like Robinson that they really trust in the passing game, which they did not have with Algier, that's going to open up the playbook a little bit more when their RB one is out on the field. Which towards the end of last season. You sort of knew that you know that aspect of the playbook wasn't out there because they just weren't going to throw the ball to Algier. Same thing when Huntley was out there; he wasn't seeing a lot of action. So I think Robinson, because he's so good in the passing game, that addition, although it's counterintuitive, may actually cause them to throw more. He averaged thirteen point four yards per catch in <laughs> in college, Bijan did, Crazy. and he and he was the. Only back last year, I believe this is right. This is a reach rebar stat. The only back in last year's or in this year's draft class that had over a hundred air yards. So it wasn't like he was he was catching screens. Yeah. He he wasn't Zach Charbonneting it yep. and getting to his totals that way. He was actually being used down the field. And uh yeah, I think I think you you've raised a good point there about maybe him expanding that. And and I like they can't run more than they already were. Yeah. They were already as run heavy as a team can be in the modern NFL. And so, yeah, I'm not, I'm not particularly concerned about that. Another one here is Jalen Hurts, over 22 and a half passing touchdowns. It's 23 and a half over at Underdog. So again, a little bit, a little bit less value on on the Underdog line there if we're taking the over. I'm tell, I'll talk about kind of some of the reasons I find the Eagles passing game absolutely fascinating trying to project them for fantasy moving forward but what is it about this bet that that you like yeah well first of all to just to be totally transparent with these that we're giving out i'm giving out three overs and three unders in these articles so my confidence level is not as high on all of them obviously you know we're creating content to an extent here i do like these and i, I actually have bet this but I'll adjust how much I put on something depending on my confidence level. Sometimes sure. it's, I wrote about it, so I really want to be right. So I got to throw a little something on it to, to put a little extra uh, juice behind it. But so this is these last two that we're going to talk about are, I don't have the same level of confidence as the first four, which are really, those were my four high confidence level quarterback props. These, these next two that we're going to talk about are, are slightly I'm a tier below that ones that I like, but I don't, I wouldn't put them at like my full strength confidence level. So, 
what I like about Hertz is sort of that it's really two factors. One, that last year was really just the first step in what seems to be trending in really the right direction. So I don't think that we should assume that he's now reached his max potential. And he threw for 22 touchdowns last year, obviously uh, missing a little bit of time. So, you know, he was on, if healthy, on pace for higher than that. But with running quarterbacks, we should always be aware that them missing a game or two is very plausible, if not probable, <laughs> with running yeah, exactly. quarterbacks like this. So it's it seems fair that it's, you know, set to a level where we would say he's he's you know probably going to miss some time is sort of what they're saying by setting up the same as last year but we saw their passing rate in the first three quarters from 2021 it was at 49.8 percent last year was 58.1 percent so their confidence level in him just skyrocketed and we should assume it's going to stay the same because obviously he met all expectations last year and yep. you know met all internal expectations i should say exceeded outside expectations by a lot and I don't see any reason why that there shouldn't be higher expectations on him now. Like he's still a young quarterback who's continuing to grow. It's not unrealistic to think that they sh they could ramp that up even more, especially as they want to keep him healthy. So we could see that already relatively high passing rate jump up. The other factor here that I think has been really under discussed with the Eagles as a whole is just how unrealistically dominant they were last year. The Eagles are a great team. They're a legit Super Bowl contender once again, but they're not going to just plow through the season the way they did last year. They had a league-high 55 offensive drives when they had a double-digit lead. Obviously, that affects your passing rate. They were a high-passing team despite that fact. So I think just even if they are just as good as last year, they're probably not dominating at that level just because the randomness of the season is going to not allow you to do that. You know, teams just don't blow through two seasons back to back. And even just one or two more games that are close is going to increase his passing volume to the point that I think he should fairly easily hit the over. And the risk of you missing it, I think, is really just injury because the, the passing volume is there and we should expect it to stay at that rate or higher. Mitch and I have talked about that that second half over and over and over again. And that's one of the things that makes projecting them hard because mm -hmm. candidly, if you look at their offense just as a whole, it has some regression red flags. Their yardage to touchdown, uh, converting yardage to touchdown, how many touchdowns they had versus how many yards they had. Um, that ratio was unsustainable. They were very successful in the red zone in part because of Jalen Hurt, Hurts runs. That is unsustainable. But then, like you mentioned, they just didn't have to throw in the second half. Jalen Hurts had the 20, it was 23rd among all quarterbacks in second half dropbacks. He was 31st in fourth quarter dropbacks. He had fewer fourth quarter dropbacks than Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco played five games. So <laughs> they did not have to throw in the second half of games. They're probably going to be very good again. They might be better this year than they were last year based on what they were able to add you know, to that defensive line. Thank you all other teams for allowing them in the draft to do what they were able to do. But, you know, again, you're just not that dominant over and over and over and over again. You're still playing NFL teams. I do think it's likely they pass more. And like you mentioned, if they are forced to run their offense, if they're not just running out the clock, they're going to throw. They were sixth in neutral pass rate last mm -hmm. year. They are going to throw. The other thing I find interesting about this is that the Eagles had one of the lowest dropback rates in the red zone that we've seen 
in a long time. They have the second lowest drop back rate in the red zone since the year 2000. Since the year 2000. That is how little they threw in the red zone. It's one of the reasons Jalen Hurts had so many rushing touchdowns. But that number, you know, is it sustainable? Well, that's a choice that the coaches were making, so perhaps it's sustainable. But seeing an outlier stat like that happen again is not, you know, it's not something we're used to. So I think that even though overall offensively, I think the Eagles could score fewer touchdowns, I think there could be some regression in that just looking all, all, at all of that, or at least score fewer touchdowns per drive, score fewer touchdowns per yard gain, that kind of stuff. They might be actually forced to throw the ball a little bit more, maybe have a few more drives, and I think it might all even out in the wash. And that's one of the reasons I find the Eagles so fascinating. And like I said, there, there's a lot of reasons to like this over. As you mentioned, you know, he's a running quarterback. He could get hurt. That's always a concern with overs. But I think if he's going to play a full season, I like him to go over this number for sure. Yeah, that, that red zone stat is crazy. It's almost making me like this prop even more because another red zone stat that I included in the article was that only 18.8% of his red zone passes resulted in a score, which ranked 30th out of 33 quarterbacks. And again, like we saw that offense last year, that makes no sense at all. Exactly. That's, that's Some of that is play calling probably, but obviously there's like a, a flukiness to that. Like Jalen Hurts should not be at the bottom of the league in percentage of passes resulting in a score in the red zone. So if he's dropping back in the red zone at such a low rate, which we don't expect to continue, and an incredibly low rate of those dropbacks are then resulting in passing touchdowns, which we don't expect to continue. It just stands to reason that even if the offense as a whole regresses a little bit, he's just, you know, just positive regression here is going to dictate that, you know, a relatively healthy season pushes him over this hopefully pretty easily. Yeah, absolutely. And by the way, those, those red zone stats and some of those, and some of those, um, you know, yardage to touchdown stats, all of those, are courtesy of Rich Rebar. All of them are available in the Fantasy Football Draft Kit, which you can get if you sign up and deposit an underdog for just $1. So deposit an underdog, go ahead and you know make some wagers on some of these over-unders we've been talking about, and then go and read the Draft Kit and find all of those nuggets from Rich Rebar, the best in the business, Rich Rebar. So make sure you go and check that out. All right, we've got one more to talk about here. And that is the one that I am actually most excited about. I don't feel great being most excited about an over for all the reasons that we've talked about. But I love Justin Herbert over uh, 4,450 and a half passing yards. It's the same exact number at DraftKings and, and Underdog. It's the easiest over on the board to me. And it's funny you mentioned um, you mentioned kind of players that that underwhelm, that do worse than we kind of expected they would. That was Herbert last year for a lot of very good reasons. And now we're seeing maybe we're, we're being a little bit hesitant if he's going to be able to come back. But there are so many reasons to think that this passing game under a new offensive coordinator with a healthier offensive line and wide receivers is just going to be much better this season than it was last season. Yeah. I mean, this one other than common sense, I guess I would say. Like, he went over this number in each of the past two years in spite of Joe Lombardi calling plays for him. And I know that, you know, opinions on Kellen Moore are mixed. People aren't necessarily thrilled about him being there, but it's an upgrade. Like it's it's definitely an upgrade just by getting rid of Lombardi and getting a, you know, at, at worst league average play caller in there is going to be an upgrade. So if he was, you know, surpassing these numbers despite what he was 
dealing with on the sidelines over the past couple of years, I think he should clear this pretty easily. And the other you know factor here is I think some people are maybe expecting that Moore would be a little bit lean towards the run a little bit more because obviously Dallas had been that in the past. But look at their running backs. Obviously, everybody likes Eckler, but the passing game is a big reason why we all like Eckler. And then he's 28 years old. So do you really want to give a huge – uh, give a huge boost to his run game volume at that age toward what's probably towards the end of his career, especially when they did not address the depth in their backfield. We've seen all their backups in the past and there's nothing to get too excited about there. Like if, if something were to happen to Eckler, if they're, if they're using overusing him, I mean, in the lead on those backups, I think the run game is going to stall out, which is just going to help Herbert hit the over even more, you know, like it, they don't have the run game, I don't think, to support uh, a huge increase in that area. So, I mean, like I said, there's not a whole lot of numbers that I'm using to support this other than I just I can't talk myself into him producing less than he has the past two years, despite getting rid of Joe Lombardi. And I think, you know, you make with more it is tough to separate him from the coaches he was working for. Mm -hmm. I mean, he worked for four years under the clapper, right. Or three years under the clapper. And then for one or a couple years under McCarthy. And so it's tough to know. It's tough to know how much of that was the other coaches and how much was him. I will say before McCarthy got there, he was, you know, the Cowboys were more mid pack on first down run rate. And then obviously with McCarthy, they were much higher uh, last year. So we'll see kind of like where more comes in. What I do expect is, as you mentioned, getting rid of Joe Lombardi is going to get Herbert throwing the ball down the field more. I think his efficiency per attempt, even if he has fewer attempts, his efficiency per attempt is going to go up uh, dramatically. Dak Prescott averaged 8.4 air yards per throw under Kellen Moore. Herbert was at 6.4 last year. That is, that is Matt. Ryan levels of air yards per throw. It is a criminal is the right word. Like there was no reason for that. And it's not like he hasn't been successful on throws that travel at least 15 yards in his career. Herbert has averaged 0.62 expected points added per play, the 47.7% success rate, 13 yards per attempt, and an 8.6% touchdown rate in his career. And I know that's a lot of numbers. I can just tell you those numbers are really, really good for, for players. Those are, you know, top 10 numbers for quarterbacks throwing down the field. And so if Kellen Moore is going to allow him to throw down the field, their offensive line, especially Slater, can stay healthy. Their receivers can stay healthy. And obviously they added Quentin Johnston. You and I have had some conversations about Quentin Johnston. And we have no idea. I have no idea if he's good or not, but at least they added a, a first round pedigree wide receiver to pick up the slack when Mike Williams misses time. More evidence that they want to throw the ball. Whether exactly. Not, I was going to say evidence of their mindset. Yeah, I was going to say if Mike Williams misses time, but I think at this point uh, when Mike Williams misses time is, is where we should get. But yeah, and again, it's evidence they want to throw the ball. So I I think Herbert is going to have a massive season as a passer. And I, I think maybe we're getting a little bit of a discount on this line because they disappointed a little bit last year. Yep, Comple completely agree with that logic. All right, so that's it for us. You can find all of these at sharpfootballanalysis.com. Go and check them out. 
you know, stay tuned. We're going to have running backs next week. We're going to have wide receivers the week after that, tight ends the week after that. So make sure you go and check that out. Check out the draft kit on sharpfootballanalysis.com. Rich Rebar is going to be in the feed uh, tomorrow with Evan Silva. So make sure you tune into that. And uh, we'll see you next time.